join us if you dare. It's movie night at your drive-in of terror. Each week, you'll hear about one campy movie for a laugh. One terrifying feature sure to scare your pants off. And one kid-friendly scare for the little ones. Or not-so-little ones, needing a little less terror. The show's about to start. Get comfy and sit down in front. Oh, and one more thing. This episode contains spoilers. Consider yourself warm. Enjoy the show, if you're brave enough. Take it away, Shay. I'm Shay, and I'm here with my good friend Tom. Pull on in to our drive-in of terror for season two, episode eight. Oh, scare your pants off, because it's movie night. In tonight's episode, our fright-filled feature is The Shining and Dr. Sleep, actually. So two features. Uh, so grab your snacks, and we'll kill the lights. How you doing, Tom? I am awesome. How are you today? I'm, I'm good. I'm good. It's... I am so excited to talk about these movies. I know I'm super excited about everything we know, but <laughs> I am so excited to talk about these movies. I literally left at the chance to twist my own arm into having to rewatch them because, you know, oh darn, but I, I'm super excited, but I'm excited about your movies too, but I don't know. But no, I yeah. agree. It's be, no, it's a good one. These are some classics. This, I mean, you know, I, I know what's more classics, but these are some of my all-time favorites. So I'm excited for it as well. So what's new? Anything good or? Nothing really. Honestly, like nothing. Nothing super new. Just the usual stuff. The party planning, wedding talk, blah, blah, blah. Just the normal crap. It's nothing, nothing new really. I don't know. I'm guessing boring this week. I have, I have nothing. Yeah. Yeah, I hear you. Oh, well, all right. Should uh, we get into it? Please, I'm super excited about your campy today. For those looking for a laugh, it's time for the campy. All right. So, yeah, I have the campy today, and it's it's a wild one it's uh i love this film i can't remember when i first stumbled across it or who recommended it to me or whatever but i i i absolutely love it this week i'm talking about cannibal holocaust which is a 1980 italian found footage cannibal horror film directed by ruggiero diodato and written by gianfranco clarisi it's a found footage cannibal horror film this is one of the originals found footage film like 1980 it became they're super popular now with paranormal activities and everything after Blair Witch they became you know uh these found footage just you know it blew up but this is 1980 so this is one of the OGs of found footage and it caused a lot of controversy back then because People with this found footage, there was rumors that it was real and stuff that I'm going to get into in a little bit. But uh, yeah, this is uh, really a really, really innovative, innovative for its time. Brief synopsis, in 1979, uh, Ed Podge is on venturing into the vast and unexplored areas of the Amazon rainforest. Um, he goes in with a small film crew to attempt to make a documentary about 
the region's indigenous cannibalistic tribes. Only problem is they all disappear without a trace. Gone. So, uh, a noted anthropologist, Harold Monroe, and his team of guides embark on a rescue mission to try to locate the missing documentarians in the heart of the Green Inferno. Fearful tribes that no white person has ever seen before will soon start to take an interest in them. Inevitably, as the professor unearthed more evidence about the fate of this film crew, by sheer luck, a desperate battle to recover the footage uh, will commence. After this, we will all learn of the savage and unspeakable atrocities captured on the on the unedited footage. In the end, all the world must learn about all the savage and the unspeakable atrocities captured on the, the unedited footage. And makes Harold wonder who really are the cannibals in this case. That's all I'm going to really say about the uh, the, the plot of it, guys, because really you got to go watch it. And I don't want to get too in depth because if I, once I start going into it, it becomes way too long because it's just a lot of a lot of stuff going on. But this film is wild, and I had mentioned earlier there was it created quite a bit of controversy because people weren't sure this found footage was it was not a well-known genre there may have been a couple before this but not well known this is like i said this is one of the ogs of it plus it's 1980 you gotta think there's no internet really at this time mm -hmm. so it's different and i'm a child of the 80s shay is a little younger but we remember a time when there wasn't like internet, everything's instantaneous now. Yeah. Back then it was like word of mouth and it was like a rumor that would build and it would take years and years and years and it just, so it's like, it was different and that like this might actually be real. There was snuff film allegations and uh, we know about the animal cruelty that was on there and there's been a lot of controversy with this, whether some people aren't as mad about it because they did kill the, it, it was more common back then to kill animals on, on camera. A lot of movies did it. I'm not saying it's right because it's not right to do that for a film to kill it. But a lot of these animals, like after they were killed for the movie, they were eaten and their body parts were used by the actual real indigenous tribes that they hired for this movie because they, they these indigenous tribes are real. They, they, they really do that. So they were eating them and stuff. So some people don't have as much of a problem where others are still like, yeah, yeah you shouldn't have done it. And um, so the, uh, the director actually had to go on trial about it because it was, people were out outraged. And just some of the animals that were killed, uh, it's, it's a kawadi, which looks like the muskrat. He's killed with a knife in it. There's a turtle that's de decapitated and its limbs, shell, and entrails are removed. There's a tarantula killed with a machete. There's a boa constrictor that's killed with a machete. A squirrel monkey that's decapitated with a machete. A pig shot in the head with a 22 caliber rifle at point-blank range. And they, there's a scene where they kill a monkey and actually they killed two because it took two, two takes. So they, oh my God. Yeah. 
That's so bad. Yeah. And again, they said that, you know, the indigenous tribe, like the monkey, they ate the monkey brains. That's considered a delicacy within within that tribe. Um, But problematic, to say the least. And on top of this, he he had to go on trial before a judge because of this. On top of that, there started to become rumors that it might be us actual an actual real snuff film, and that the act, some of the actors were really killed. And part of the reason for this was that he used unknown actors, and then after the movie, nobody saw him in any other movies, and it just and nobody like heard, there was no news about these actors. Well, come to find out, when he was on trial, there was a reason for that. He part of the actor's contract, and I, I, I love this, I, I think it's genius, and especially for 1980, was that they couldn't do any media or any other movies for one year to sell the realism of the of the film. That's so smart. It's yeah. so, so smart. I love it. So on trial for this and looking at doing quite a bit of time, he, the director reluctantly called these actors out of hiding and, and had him come to the court. And he was obviously exonerated, let off, whatever, um, for it. So, yeah, it's this, uh, there's other controversies within it, within it, whether or not they um, maybe took advantage of this indigenous tribe, these people, I mean, these weren't completely uncontacted tribes, but these are tribes that kept to themselves, weren't part of any sort of modern modernization and whether or not they fully understood what they were being, what was being asked of them and what was going on with the films and everything. So there's a lot of controversy to it, guys, uh, which for me personally, just adds to the lore of this 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 film um i believe it's been it was it's been banned in over 34 countries in scandinavia it was designated a video nasty in a lot of countries they have completely different versions of it uh with like different endings and stuff because it was considered too gory too graphic uh some countries had to create a whole other sort of rating system because it wasn't considered x but it's not r so it was like some countries called it xr and stuff and yeah it's it's a wild one guys um this is this should not be watched with children no like at all i mean we 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 always recommend a children's movie in every episode this is not one of them guys this is for adults only if you're into horror and realism and gore this is, you'll really like it, uh, but be warned, go in, go in and be just, I'm warning you now, one of my all time favorites, but it's, uh, it's a tough one. What are your thoughts on it? So I stumbled across this movie by accident on Shutter. I think it might even have been one of the, you know, Shutter like plays, we're not sponsored by the way, but it's, yeah. I love Shutter. But they play three movies at a time, constantly just revolving on these channels. And I think that's actually how I stumbled onto it. And it's, I already liked it. And then you telling me about, he went to, he let it go to trial. He let it, he let it go all the way to trial for murder. Murder. And then he was like, okay, okay, okay. I'll I'll tell you my secret. What? That's insane. But like, it's, that's like dedication 
that is the definition of dedication. It's not even dedication. It's a definition of dedication to your craft. To to be just that all in is 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 insane to me. And it's I I might like the movie even more now. Yes, there was some controversy. Yes, there may be things that I don't agree with in the movie, and that's fine, whatever. But I am taking it as a horror movie, and I'm and I'm putting away the controversy. And it is. It's one of those movies that honestly borders on feature and campy. It could have been both. And it's it's it really is great. Definitely watch it now with your kids. Um, but it's it really is. And it, and it's funny because we talk about like every once in a while we run across these movies that are banned in these places. What kind of a badge of honor is that? Yeah. The movie was so messed up and it is banned in whole countries. Not even like just in some theaters, in a whole entire countries. Yeah. Your movie is banned. That's honestly, I would wear that like a badge of honor. That's I I agree a hundred percent. Um, I'm glad you brought that up to not watch with your children. Just just as a disclaimer, guys, aside from those animal deaths you'll see, you'll see genital mutilation, um, sexual assault and rape, um, and cannibalism. Just a, just a few of things that you'll see just if you're wondering what kind of Shay was getting at. Yeah. So that, a lot of uncomfortable, maybe. Yeah, things. I would watch with my parents if I was, you know, maybe 16, 17 and then had to watch that. It'd be it'd be pretty awkward. So yeah. oh, honestly, like I'm almost 40 and I don't know that I would watch that with my parents yeah. now, even like I'd be like, oh, yeah. okay. I wouldn't I wouldn't at all. It's uh but it, if you're a fan of horror, it is you definitely, definitely need to check it out. I mean, honestly, some modern movies that have been inspired by it. Um Hostel, uh, and then The Green Inferno, also by uh, uh, Eli Roth. Yep. Both of those, they have that sort of Mondo style to it that uh, came out in the, in, in, Mondo style was big in like se late 70s into the 80s in, in Italy. Yeah, so be warned, check it out. I love it, but be warned. It's, uh, it's, it's a tough one. Yeah, yeah. All right. All right, well, I I think we're on to the feature. We are. For those brave souls ready for a fright, it's time for the feature. Oh, features. Um, we're t again, we're talking about The Shining and Doctor Sleep today, and I am super excited. I know I gotta come up with a new catchphrase. I don't, I'm gonna change it next time. I, um, I'll be something else next time. But today, I'm still super excited, so it's fine. Um. The Shining movie came out in 1980. The book was written in 1977 by none other than Stephen King. I'm pretty sure he might be the most constant representation on this season of the podcast. Yes. He is going to be so many of the episodes because he's the king. He's so, yeah, he's so prolific in the, in the horror, you know, I mean, the amount of, that he, of, of books he pumps out, it's just insane, insane. Uh, it's absurd. It's, it's it doesn't even yeah. It's mind blowing, and he's yeah, he's awesome. But okay, we'll yammer we'll we'll yammer on about Stephen King another day because we have plenty more. But I'm gonna move on, and I'm gonna talk about The Shining. And The Shining centers around the Torrance family of Jack, Wendy, and Danny Torrance, and they move into the Overlook Hotel for the winter. 
so Jack is a struggling writer and an alcoholic and seemingly abusive. Wendy is a doting mom and wife, but kind of timid. And Danny is a young boy suffering from something akin to clairvoyancy, really, uh, called The Shining. Um, and The Shining is a name given to it by Dick Halloran. Uh, would you agree that's kind of it's kind of like clairvoyancy right i yeah i mean that's how i kind of understand it so yeah so the seemingly already struggling family just seems to crumble more in this hotel and so they are at this hotel because jack felt that being the caretaker off season having the whole hotel to themselves being secluded and away from everything was somehow magically going to be what he needed to write this book um, with a big storm underway Wendy is really left to protect herself and Danny from Jack and that's it there's nobody they can't get to her the roads are closed the phone lines are really down they just have a radio and that's it that's that's all Wendy has as an outlet and it's just her between Jack and Danny really that's it no this movie for me really seems to do a great job letting you follow Jack into his descent. It really, you just spiral with him and it's, and it's so weirdly delicately woven, but at the same time, it, it at the same time, it punches you in the face because it happens, but you don't even realize it's happening until it, it hits you. And then you look back and like, Oh my God. Okay. So that whole, that whole descent is really beautifully done. Um, you start seeing his illusions. You see his illusions of parties, and, and you have the beautiful women, and especially the best of lady in room 237. Um, and of course, one of my favorites, you have the absolutely awesome bartender who I absolutely love. He's awesome. He really kind of ties everything together. Um, so the bartender really has a way to almost let Jack know that he's lost his shit, but at the same time kind of make him feel like he hasn't. That's the best way I can describe it, because that's really what he does. If you sit back and you watch it, or you really even read it again, and it's it, he really does, it's like, it's like, oh, you're kind of nuts, but no, you're not nuts. Like, really... It, it reminds me a little bit of sort of like old school bartenders maybe even like a cheer sam malone bartender like like I, I used to be a bartender and it's it was different but when you watch these old shows and like the bartender is almost almost like a psychiatrist and almost yeah. like uh and it, he really it really toes that like that sam malone line where he's going to give you advice and be real with you and I don't know, but it's just, it, that's what it reminds me of, old school bartender right there. Yeah, it's honestly, yeah, exactly. It's, it, that's, that's the perfect way to put it. And um, so in, in all of this, you have poor Danny who gets to experience the hotel in a way that his parents aren't experiencing. And he gets a far darker side of the hotel and he makes some pretty spine chilling new acquaintances along the way. Um, you have the Grady twins, which come and play with us forever and ever. And they are, like, I remember seeing this as a kid and it's, they were, I saw it, I watched it live on TV. I watched the show. Those girls scared me more than anything I have ever seen on TV. It goes back to something that we've said it, it, for our longtime listeners. People know our feelings on, on children kind of being creepy, but 
to amplify that, magnify that by 100%, twins. Uh -huh. Twins are creepy in general. Like, even normal twins are a little creepy. So. Uh, yeah, <laughs> and that's true. And it's just, it's so very true. And it's, yeah, but then I, they are. Kids are creepy. Little girls maybe are almost especially creepy. I know it sounds awful, and I'm a girl, but they're especially creepy. Mm -hmm. And then you put them in these cute little dresses the cute little socks and the cute little Mary Jane shoes. Ooh, don't do that. It's so creepy. But I yes. love it. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Um, and then, again, I'm going to go back to room 237, which in the book was actually 217. Um, and we're going to talk about the woman in the bathtub that Danny sees as her true form. This naked, old, saggy wrinkly dinkly wrinkly dinkly <laughs> yeah that's a word now it's the wrinkly dinkly, wrinkly dinkly who jack is seeing as this beautiful woman and is thought to be lorraine massey and she was said to have seduced young employees of the overlook hotel and of course jack being incredibly morally loose um was happily happily seduced by her um, and then you have Mr. Grady, who ties the whole thing together and makes you understand what is happening in this hotel or what has happened or continues to repetitively happen in this hotel. And uh, you find out that Jack recalls hearing uh, about Grady from the newspapers and how he killed his twin daughters, the Grady twins, and his wife. And he killed his daughters with an accident and he killed his wife with a shotgun when she... Um, try to stop them. Mm. So you start seeing these correlations and these parallels that are drawn from from um, Jack Torrance to Mr. Grady. And right down to the so you have a so you have a scene on the stairs and he's and yes he has a he has a bat but he I'm sorry, Wendy has a bat, and he's just coming up to see us after, and he's like, Wendy, darling, light of my life, and he, oh, my whole body is like in chills right now, I love that scene, but you see him, you see that is, he has snapped, he's broken, and that's it, that's the scene right there that you're like, crap, something else is in him, and it's not just the alcohol, and it's not just, there is something else in him, and um, as he's going up the stairs and then she, she gets Danny and they hide in the room and he takes the axe and there he is, the axe, Mr. Grady himself. And I know he's, I know he's not, I know he's Jack Torrance when he breaks down the door and he's here, Johnny. That is Mr. Grady. That is exactly, and I absolutely love how they just, they just merged those two carriages and they did it without telling you they did it, but it's in every way that's what you saw. So everybody who's seen it knows how the shining ends so i'm not going to tell you how the shining ends because if for some reason you haven't seen it it's actually one of the cooler concepts i think in ending a horror movie so i'm i'm not going to say anything because i actually don't want to spoil this one even though it's really old it's like from 1980 go watch it and it's awesome so i'm going to dive now into dr sleep so the two are really so well intertwined. What I really loved about Dr. Sleep, and you've seen Dr. Sleep, right, Tom? Yes. So they're so well intertwined, you actually learn more about The Shining and, and, 
and the Torrance family and the Overlook Hotel experience in Dr. Sleep that they maybe only kind of hinted at in The Shining. Like you knew, but you weren't 100% sure. They really kind of drove a lot of things home for you in Dr. Sleep. So Dr. Sleep picks it up briefly um, right after where The Shining left off. Uh, you have a young Danny, very well met. This kid who plays Danny now uh, is um, named Roger Dale. And the original was Danny Lloyd. And there are scenes again where the, like the um, the big wheel scene where he's riding the little tricycle thing around the hallways, it, it's him. They're the same kid, but they're not, but they are. Um, you see that Danny is still struggling with The Shining. He's scared. He's He hasn't talked since they left the Overlook Hotel. And he ends up running into um, Dick Halloran again. And he Dick Halloran gives him a, a way of coping with what happened at the Overlook and the things that are coming after him, the Shine Eaters, and he basically shows him a box and he and he tells him to memorize, he tells him to smell it, get his face in there and like really become familiar with the box. And now he traps those things in his mind in that box. And it's and it's such a cool device. Meanwhile, you also find out that Calorin is actually dead. So he's communicating with Danny through the shine. Um, so just to add Alex Esso played an absolutely flawless Wendy, and leaving, leaving it many viewers having a hard time even telling the difference between one movie and the other. It's It almost looked like they took clips from the original Shining and used it in Doctor Sleep. You, you, you were really none the wiser. Um, but, and again, Shelley Duvall's portrayal was fantastic. Now we're going to flash forward to a grown Danny who maybe not the best human being at the time, maybe does some shady things. Um, he finds himself following in good old dad's footsteps and hops on a bus to basically run away from himself and start over. Uh, he immediately runs into Billy, who we are going to absolutely adore and love and everything. Um, and he eventually considers him a best friend. And Billy sees himself in Danny. He sees the struggle. He sees, you know, he, he recognizes the face and he basically comes to Danny's rescue and he, and he more or less saves him. He gets him into AA. He gets him a job. He gets him an apartment. And, it, and it's really cool because his job is actually, Danny works in a nursing home and he is basically he's just supposed to like clean up at night but he ends up following the cat into the different rooms he's kind of his cat is going into the rooms with people that are going to die that night and he actually uses his shine to communicate with them in their head and almost bring them like a comfort before they die and then that coined him they coined him as dr sleep and he put him at ease and he, you know he sang with one of the guys it was really very very nicely done um Eventually, also, Danny gets to meet a young girl named Abra, who also shines. And despite him suggesting that he hide her shine, and he he hide from the shine eaters, or she hide from the shine eaters, um, she couldn't. She knew she could do good, and she actually brought light to the disappearance of a young boy thousands of miles away at the same time, and at the same time track and antagonize 
his killers, the True Knot. Uh, the True Knot is made up of Rose the Hat, Crow Daddy, Snake Bite Andy, Barry the Chunk, Grandpa Flick, and a few others um, that you really don't know much about because they don't really talk about them, but they're there. Um, now, the True Knot are basically a, a cult of shine eaters who find and devour children who shine. Now, Danny finally embraces his shine and helps Abra, and eventually all roads lead back to the Overlook, thought to be a shine eater itself, actually thought to be the main shine eater. Um, from the movie's end, you see that Danny has taken on a very Dick Calloran role and stays with Abra even in death. Now, one thing I do want to talk about quick before we move on is there are parts in this movie I, I've, I've already talked about like wendy and you can't tell the difference from the shining and dr sleep sometimes it almost looks like they stole the clips but you and mcgregor there are parts and there are scenes where he he almost channels his jack torrance like his jack nicholson jack torrance and it blows my mind because it almost looks like he's coming right out of him and it's I absolutely, I love Ewan McGregor and he's so talented, but that was, yeah, that was just absolutely astounding. I love both these films, classics, so good. Like you said, Jack Nicholson, it's such an iconic role for Jack Nicholson. Uh, I, I, it, I, I find it hard to believe that anybody that considers themselves a horror fan hasn't seen at least, at least one of these, but um mm -hmm. If you haven't, do yourself a favor, guys. Check it out because it's it's so they're they're for me a lot of Stephen King's works. The earlier ones for me are usually the better one. Even though Doctor Sleep was great, but like Carrie, The Shining, the Christine, those types are like I I I think his best, and this is definitely one of one of his best, and it's just. It's so iconic, creepy. We talked about the little girls and oh. kids, and it's just—I mean, you—you you can't do much better than these films. You really can't. Nope. All right. Well, I guess we're on to the rating portion, which I love and hate this part. It because it's so hard. But so every episode, we try to think of a rating system that correlates to something in the movie and obviously the Grady twins are something that are so etched in my brain and I keep thinking about the you know come play with us forever and ever and ever and I think I'm gonna rate it on I want my rating system to be an Evers so forever and ever and ever and Evers and I'm gonna give I'm actually gonna give both of these the same rating and it's not a together rating. They're just actually both getting the same rating for me. And it's, I'm going to give them both an 8.5 and ever. Nice. I like it. So for me, I, I, I'm, I got myself in a little of a sticky situation. So last week we talked about Carrie and I gave that a nine and I, I go back and forth because, like, initially I felt like I, I like I'm like I like The Shining a little bit better than Carrie. But now that I think about it, do I? I don't know. And I so I don't I I uh, so for The Shining, for consistency's sake, I gotta give it a nine. 
because I gave Carrie a nine. And I, at this moment, I can't tell you which one I like better because I like them both so much. For Dr. Sleep, I really, really liked it. But I am going to give Dr. Sleep an eight. I really liked it. I, I was about to go eight and a quarter, 8.25. But uh, no, I'm going to go eight. I really liked it. But for me, the... The Shining is so classic, just so, so up there and was so integral in my formative, it, I gotta, I gotta go higher with The Shining. So nine, nine Evers for The Shining, eight Evers for Dr. Sleep. Honestly, I, yeah, I, I get it. That's honestly, I, I, I was wondering how you were going to handle that. And because because it is, it's hard because we almost like trap ourselves and into reading these other movies, and then we're like, wait a minute, but I love this too. Yes, and it's, and it's really hard to to kind of be like, okay, maybe I love it a little less. Do I? I don't know. Yes, it's tough, um, and especially because we're we're only seven episodes in, so we're really kind of getting our like yeah. rating system going, kind of firming it up. So it is, it's tricky, but yeah. yeah. That's what so, I got. I have a really quick side story, and it has to do with The Shining, and it but it doesn't involve me. It actually involves uh, my fiance Eric, and um, and you know Eric, you've met Eric. Oh yeah. So <laughs> when he was little, and he was uh, like a maybe like a preteenish boy, his dad offered to watch The Shining with him because he got to see, and he would want to because he got to see boobs. <laughs> So that was that was the selling point. Oh, there are boobs in the movie. He had no clue what the boobs were gonna be, and uh, so that was like his first parental permitted boob exposure. And it, <laughs> yes, exactly. But yeah, I he loves telling that story, and obviously he's not on the podcast right now. But um, it's that's, that's right. why I had to share it. And yeah, I love that. That's awesome amazing <laughs> oh god that's funny <laughs> all, right. Look. all right well so you have the kids movie tonight what do you what do you got for me for the <coughs> little ones it's time for the kids scare oh god and i know i know you were talking about how you must sound like a broken record i must sound like a broken record because this is one of my all-time favorites and i tell you i've said that i i'll Every movie we've discussed, I believe, at the end of this episode, it'll be 21 movies we've discussed so far, and uh, they've all been my favorite. So yeah. you can do the math. <laughs> and, uh, but no, this is a classic. It's the, uh, I'm going to be talking about the 1984 black comedy horror film that was directed by Joe Dante. It was written by the great Christopher Columbus and produced by uh, Steven Spielberg. And that movie is gremlins and i'll briefly touch on the sequel um just an all-time classic guys uh it starred zach galligan phoebe cates i love phoebe cates Wait axton holly holiday francis lee mccain and this one i had forgotten uh, I, I had known it but i had forgotten how we mandel provides the voice of gizmo wow what Yes. How, how am I 40 years old almost and I didn't know that? It was one of, I, 
<laughs> I had known it and I had totally forgotten until I started doing the research for this. Um, I'm yeah. mad at people. My life is different now. <laughs> Sorry, go on. Everything is different now. <laughs> um, and it, uh, this movie, it draws on the, uh, the folkloric um, legend of the mischievous gremlins that were uh, first reported in the British Royal Air Force base that they would, these gremlins would do uh, weird things to their planes and stuff and cause all these sort of weird issues. And so that's kind of where the folklore came from. Um, this movie was a big, big hit. It, uh, it had a budget of 11 million, which was fairly high for the time in 1984, uh, but, it grossed $212.9 million at the box office. That is wow. for that time. Yeah. That is for that time. And like, just think about that return. I mean, 11 million to 212 just at the box. Never mind talking about afterwards, video, DVD, all that year. Just, just insane. Um, you know, people consider a horror. Some is some people it has a Christmas setting. So it's uh, this is one of my sort of like I said, it's a favorite horror film. But I'd also put it in probably my top three Christmas movies. You know, you got you Die Hard. You got this. I'd consider it a a Christmas movie. It takes place around Christmas. And uh, let me get a little into this uh, brief, brief synopsis of what happens so a gadget salesman is looking for a special gift for his son for christmas and he finds one in this weird little store that kind of pops up comes out of nowhere in chinatown it's very it's pretty cool it's it, it's like mysterious it like it almost seems like it just comes out of nowhere and uh he meets the the old asian shopkeeper who is you know talking to him, kind of showing him little things. And the the salesman sees a mogwai and becomes interested in buying it. And the shopkeeper is reluctant to sell it to him, but eventually relents and will sell it to him, but gives him a dire, dire warning that, that there's a, just a few rules, just a few that need to be obeyed uh, if he's going to take this home. And that is never expose the mogwai to bright light, water, or feed it after midnight. Well, wouldn't you know what happens? All three of those things happen. The mogwai begins to it, it, it begins to multiply, and then um, what becomes of them is no longer the cute little gizmo with the Howie Mandel's voice. But these sort of scary, grotesque gremlins that uh, end up, you know, end up hatching and then begin to run amok on the town on Christmas Eve. Again, the reason I bought a Christmas film. And uh, yeah, uh, chaos and hilarity ensues. And I'm not going to say too much more on the plot, guys, because either you've probably seen it, and if you haven't, you need to hurry up and go see this, because it was 1984. It's a classic. It's a perfect way. Again, if you're a horror fan and you want to bring your kids into horror and you know ease them in, it's 
the perfect way to do it because it's so family friendly. I was, I think I was, I was probably five first time I saw it at five or six and, um, cause 84. Yeah. So I was probably five. I probably started in 1985. Um, and I was fine. I understand 80s were a different time. We were allowed to watch more, but this is very family friendly, wouldn't you say? Oh, yeah. I was honestly probably about the same age when I saw it. Um, yeah. It's absolutely. It's a, it's, it's a great movie. It's super family. And Gizmo is friggin' adorable. I mean, yeah. Um, some cool things about it it actually helped create the PG 13 rating, which oh. I thought was. Yeah, because PG-13 came out in the 80s. That became a rating in the 80s because, you know, people, it couldn't be considered PG. But a lot of times, in some movies, a lot of movies, directors and stuff, don't also want an R rating because now you're limited to, technically, at least you're supposed to be limited to 18 and older on an R. But it's not not quite PG and obviously not G, but they came up with that PG 13 rating. I think it, um, I think it was like within two months of the film's release, that rating had come out or something like that. So I thought that was pretty interesting. Uh, like I said earlier, it, there was a sequel. It was called Gremlins 2, The New Batch. It was released in 1990, so six years later. Uh, I liked it, um, but it, it was definitely more satirical, more, there was like more parodies, parody, it actually parodied the whole idea of sequels um, at the time, because 80s, we saw a lot of sequels, they weren't great, and it kind of became a joke, but like, that it's like, how you ruined a movie was created a sequel, and it just seemed like every movie was getting a sequel, because now you're seeing like, you're seeing big, big numbers at the box office for the, you know, uh, for the first times and stuff like these astronomical numbers where they're doing $200 million. Yeah. So, um, again, I liked it. it. It came out to had mainly positive reviews, but just did not do well at the box office, probably because, like I said, sequels were a joke. But if people gave it a chance, it would have seen that it kind of made fun of sequels, but whatever. Um, this I found really interesting. There, as of 2022, there is Gremlins 3 in the oh, world. Shut your mouth. <laughs> really? 2022. That's so exciting. Oh yeah. my God. It's about freaking time, first of all. Yeah. It's so cool. Yeah, I would have thought they would have, somebody would have touched this again before now because yes. it's been so long and. You would have thought, I know, like I said, it, it was a considerable box off of mom, the second one, but I would have thought somebody would have wanted to kind of right that wrong and show them that, you know, it could be, you know, it could have been good. So, yeah, so I, I, um, I, uh, I can't wait for that. I hope it, I hope it really comes to fruition. And guys, yeah, I highly recommend this. I mean, this is, this is, this is, this one's fun for the whole family and a really, a really, really great great film uh i i would even recommend the second too uh, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Watch, watch them both so that's what i have <laughs> gremlins i think i made a i think i made a correlation you people are gonna be so sick of me and my <laughs> ridiculous correlations but i made a correlation and i'm gonna share it oh please <laughs> so 
and I apologize because it's way out there, but whatever, it's me. Um, so you said the gremlins were based loosely on um, creatures that were attacking airplanes in, in a British airport or something? Yeah, they were first reported by the British Royal Air Force that these little gremlins were causing mishaps in the planes, little, like, just weird things to happen. Okay, so it might be because I have Stephen King on the brain, um, but is that maybe I'm picturing some, almost picturing kind of like not so much the gizmo looking, but like the the bad gremlins, um, and then they're attacking planes. It's does that feel Langoliers at you? Langolier. It does actually. Right. It really, really does. It really does. I had I had not even not even put that into you know in, into my thought, but no, I like that a lot. Yeah. And apparently this is a podcast that all roads lead to Stephen King. So here we go. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's great. I I I I I love it. I had never thought of that. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, um yeah that's that's all i could think and it's 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 funny because i i literally could not get it out of my head but no that's cool so um with these i would say you, you what age do you think for these would be totally, oh, totally i was five i know it was a different time you were five it was a different time but i still feel like that's okay i'd say five or six yeah i mean i know i let my kid watch it real young maybe even younger than five honestly but yeah, I might have even watched it younger. I, I just assuming five because it was 1984. So because yeah. I, I would have been four in 1984. And I don't remember really too much before the age of 10 anymore. So I, uh, yeah, <laughs> so I could be way off, but. Yeah, that's okay. No, but yeah, I, I would I would say five, easy. It, obviously everybody use your discretion, they're your kids, but it's, I don't see any problem with it for, for kids of the five, maybe six years range really it's a gizmo's adorable the, the the gremlins are hysterical yeah i mean yeah cool I don't know. all right well have you got anything else for me today i do not all right well thanks for joining us meet us at the snack bar next week when child's play will be on the big screen until then sweet dreams thanks guys As always, thank you for listening. Feel free to reach out to your hosts by email at scareyourpantsoff9 at gmail.com or find us on Facebook. Be sure to like, subscribe, and turn on notifications wherever you get your podcasts. If we haven't scared you away yet, you're our kind of people. So check under your bed and keep your feet under the covers and those closet doors shut. <laughs> Until next week, my friends.